today on Truths That Transform. If you don't have religious freedom in the workplace, where you spend most of your waking hours, uh, then you really don't have religious freedom. Folks, when our religious freedom disappears, all other freedoms follow soon after. Hello and welcome. I'm Pastor Rob Pacienza. All through June, we're investigating the loss of religious freedom in America. The First Amendment explicitly protects churches from government interference and guarantees the freedom to live out our faith. But in modern America, there is an oppressive movement to silence Christians and punish dissent on things like same-sex marriage and gender fluidity. On today's program, you'll discover how America was built on a Christian foundation which guaranteed freedom for all. And we begin with the story of a young man whose ambition in life was to serve as a police officer, but his career quickly hit a brick wall simply because of his standard Christian beliefs. We share this from our brand new documentary program, Intolerant, The War on Religious Liberty. In America, we continue to see attacks against religious freedom in all areas of society. But one arena where the attacks continue to mount is the workplace. No employee should be forced to choose between their faith and their career. And yet far too often we find people of faith in every aspect of society having to make that very choice. If you don't have religious freedom in the workplace, where you spend most of your waking hours, uh, then you really don't have religious freedom. If you look over the past decade, we've seen an uptick in requests for legal help, and we've seen an uptick in, for both private employers and government employers, people being told, uh, particularly in the workplace, that their faith is not welcome. 19-year-old Jacob Kersey achieved his childhood dream job, working as a police officer and getting only positive feedback for his first eight months on the job. Jesus, he is my highest treasure, and I'm grateful for a church that has just instilled that in me from a very young age. But Jacob's childhood wasn't always easy. I grew up in a broken home uh, like, like so many others. Uh, this uh, led me to encounter law enforcement a lot at a young age due to a custody battle uh, uh, that ensued over me. And unlike um, others in my family, I admired law enforcement throughout all this. And part of the reason being is because they brought order to chaos. Jacob is a very, very bright, conscientious uh, man who felt called from a young age to be a police officer. And on the job, he was exemplary. He had great high marks, um, great feedback from supervisors. They um, loved having him on the force. And um, everything was going great until Jacob simply expressed his uh, deeply held religious beliefs off hours, off duty, on his private social media page. And I made a Facebook post which stated, God designed marriage. Marriage refers to Christ in the church. That's why there's no such thing as a homosexual marriage. 
And it just brought about this, uh, you know, maelstrom of um, criticism that I think, you know, Jacob wasn't expecting because he was simply living within the bounds of the First Amendment. Social media is a new concept and the, the court is kind of grappling with what it all means. But it's really no different than whether somebody could talk in public with friends or others and talk about their faith or their beliefs. For the government to ever use that to take away somebody's job or to punish them in some way for their job is a clear violation of the law. And I think we're going to see more and more of that. I made the Facebook post on January 2nd of 2023. The following day, on January 3rd, I received a phone call from my patrol supervisor who informed me that my Facebook posts had been complained upon, that I would need to remove it, and that failure to do so could result in my termination. I informed him that I would not remove the post. I felt I was unable to as it violated my deeply held religious beliefs. Jacob was told by his lieutenant that posts like his creates a lot of liability for the police department, and they didn't want to deal with the paperwork should he get involved in a use of force situation with a member of the LGBTQ plus community. Uh, my major called shortly after and told me uh, to turn in everything that belongs to the city the next day when I came in from, for work. So on January 4th, I go in and I have a meeting with uh, my entire command staff. In that meeting, Jacob refused to remove his post and asked why they thought his Christian beliefs could be an issue. When my police chief realized that I would not remove the post, he likened my religious beliefs as the same thing as that of using the N-word or saying F all those homosexuals. If you don't go along with the whole range of LGBTQ requests, you will be seen as someone who is actually standing against the culture and you will be vilified because you are standing in the way of progress. When push came to shove, Jacob held firm to his religious and constitutional rights. The legal precedent is actually very clear that when public officials are off duty, they have the right to speak freely and exercise their religion. School teachers, and librarians and um, public officials who, who serve in government, all of these all of these public officials certainly have constitutional rights when they are not speaking for the government. You, you do not have to shed your, your deeply held religious beliefs. You don't have to keep your mouth shut, your head down. Jacob, in this case, he was not wearing a uniform. He wasn't speaking for um, the, the local police department as an official. He was just thinking, as people often do on social media. He was expressing um, his thoughts and he's speaking, and um, he has the right to do so. The Port Wentworth Police Department investigated Jacob and his social media posts, in which they determined he had not violated any department policy. I had done nothing wrong. However, they were going to create a new department policy which would prohibit me from expressing any of my, quote, offensive um, interpretations of scripture or any of my offensive um, Christian beliefs. The police department gave Jacob an ultimatum. He could either resign now or be fired later if he dared express any of his offensive Christian beliefs. So on January 17th, I, under tremendous pressure, decided to uh, resign my position. If I came back to work, as they wanted me to do, uh, it was, in essence, telling them that I agree with this new department policy. Additionally, every 
moment after that day, if I went back to work, um, I would know as I'm responding to calls and trying to serve the community that my department does not have my back. Every officer needs to know that their department is going to back them when they go out there on the streets with a badge and a gun and re respond to calls. I admire those who are willing to resign their positions in order to maintain their Christian convictions and their faith and to speak out. Now, it is so critical that people understand that we are no longer the America that we once were. In America today, so many are unwilling um, to, to stand up for religious liberty and for the First Amendment um, in, in light of uh, this push to deem anything that, that hurts someone's feeling or offends someone as hate speech. It is going to become increasingly difficult to stand for the Christian faith, but we need people who say there is something in life that is even more important than life itself, namely faithfulness to Jesus Christ. If I go back 2,000 years, I think you see uh, a trend um, that a, a lot of um, the, the beliefs that, that are taught by Christ um, have not been popular. Jesus told us that we are salt and light, but if the salt loses its saltiness, what good is it but to be thrown out? Law enforcement officers from the state of Georgia and throughout the country have reached out to Jacob in support. I think this case is really concerning to a lot of law enforcement officers, especially those who are religious and are wondering, when is this gonna happen to me? The First Amendment in this case was simply not followed by the police department, and um, they should reverse their policy. We, what we have done so far, we wrote them a letter uh, letting them know of what the law states and requires of them, and we are asking them to retract their policy and we want them to also issue an apology to Jacob for attempting to chill his, uh, his freedom of speech and the exercise of his religion. And I hope that my story in some small way will join the rest of other courageous believers here in America who have taken a stand and, and given up their, their dreams um, for the sake of Christ. Jacob Kersey's infraction was simply stating common biblical Christian beliefs in his private life. For that, he was punished and ultimately hounded out of the police department. And he's just one of many who've experienced this attack on religious liberty, particularly at the hands of the advocates of so-called tolerance, who apparently cannot tolerate any dissent at all. That's a long way from the principles America was founded upon and that our founders tried to pass down to us. My pastor and mentor, Dr. D. James Kennedy, was better than anyone at proclaiming these truths, as he does here in this portion of his message, Remember Our Foundations. As a nation, we are suffering a severe case of national amnesia. As President Woodrow Wilson said, if we do not remember who we were, how can we know what we are supposed to be? And we don't remember. You recall George Orwell's famous novel, 1984, and under a totalitarian regime run by Big Brother, who was, of course, very concerned for the welfare of the people as he systematically stripped from them 
every vestige of their freedom, there was in the Department of Truth something that went on 24 hours a day. It was the rewriting of history. So that, for example, he says, quote, Oceania is at war with Eurasia. It has always been at war with Eurasia. When the truth is, the war just started five minutes ago, and a half hour before they had declared, Oceania is at peace with Eurasia. It has always been at peace with Eurasia. Historical revisionism. Is such a thing happening in this country? Dear friends, it has happened, and we are the victims of it. The statement, this is a Christian nation, this is a nation founded by Christians on Christian principles, those indeed are words that cause people to rise up in fury. They have never heard of such a thing and find them highly repugnant. You might as well say America was founded by Martians. As far as they are concerned, it is absolutely inconceivable that that is the case. For example, one history textbook used in our schools today tells about the pilgrims landing at Plymouth and the Mayflower Compact. And they quote the Mayflower Compact, which says, as you all know, it says that We have undertaken a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. Now that's what it says, isn't it? That's what it says according to one of the textbooks used in our schools. But that's not what it really says. You see, they omitted several phrases without even ellipsis. And here they are. In the name of God, amen. That's where it starts, and this is how it continues. Having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith a journey to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia, did they denude it of all spiritual meaning? Absolutely. Totally. I remember somebody said, well, what in the world has the church to do with America? Well, I'll tell you what it it had to do with America. America, the voyage of the pilgrims, was very simply this. It was a church relocation project. Now, years ago, Our church was over on Commercial Boulevard, about three-quarters of a mile away, and we had a church relocation project. We moved the church over here when that was too small. That's what the pilgrims were. You see, they represented one church in southeastern England, in Scrooby, England. They were a church that had become so concerned with the corruption in the Anglican church at that time that they decided they had to separate themselves from that. And they were known in England as separatists. And being persecuted by the government, they fled to Holland where there was more liberty, but they became concerned after 12 years with the corruption and the morals of the young people in Holland, and so they decided to come to America. Oh boy, they should see some of our young people today. But it was a church relocation project. 
Plymouth Plantation was simply an extension of the church in Scrooby, England. That's what it was. And then what about the Puritans? The pilgrims came in 1620, 10 years later the Puritans came. They, like the pilgrims, were members of the Anglican church. But they who believed in purity of doctrine and purity of life were trying to reform the Anglican church from within. They finally despaired of that and decided to go to America. But whether they were those that stayed in the church or those that separated from the church, they were all members of the same church. And by the way, the doctrine of the pilgrims and the doctrine of the Puritan was the doctrine of that humble reformer from Lake Leman in Switzerland, John Calvin. And so whether it is pilgrims or Puritans or Huguenots or Covenanters or Reformed or whatever they may be called and denominationally Presbyterians or Congregationalists or Baptists or Anglicans or or Episcopalians, they were all at one time the followers of the teachings of John Calvin. That's why church historians from virtually every country are in agreement that the founder of America was John Calvin. Von Rank, the great historian of Germany, said that John Calvin is the virtual founder of America. Bancroft, the American Cal- uh, historian, himself not a Calvinist, none of these are, said that John Calvin is the father of America. Taine and others in France said that it is John Calvin whose disciples came to America. As late as 1776, 150 years after the pilgrims came, still two-thirds of all of the people in America were followers of the teachings of John Calvin. Did you ever learn that in school? I guarantee that you did not. The pilgrims who were Christians came here to worship God according to their consciences and according to the word of God. And they formed for us a covenant. And the Constitution is simply an expansion of that covenant. There is no doubt that this is a nation that was formed by Christians and was for the purpose of expanding the gospel of Christ and spreading it throughout the world. The governor of Plymouth Plantation of the Pilgrims, of course, was William Bradford, and he wrote the first history ever written in America, the history of Plymouth Plantation, and he said this, that the Pilgrims came here And they had a great hope and inward zeal of laying some good foundation or at least to make some way thereunto for the propagating and advancing of the gospel of the kingdom of Christ in those remote parts of the world. Yea, though they should be but even as stepping stones unto others for the performing of so great work. They came to advance the gospel not only to the heathen in America, but to the farthest corners of the earth. That's why the pilgrims came. 1620, go 18 years farther on when there were colonies all over New England, and they all got together for the first time in the New England Confederation. And in that great confederation, they made this astounding statement. Why did these people come to America? We all came into these parts of New England, they said, for one and the same purpose and end, 
for the advancement of the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. George Washington said, in contrast to those who feel that religion and government play no part together, he said, true religion offers government its surest support. And yet now the secularists and ACLU would have us to believe that religion is a threat to true American government. Robert C. Winthrop said, it may do for other countries and other governments to talk about the state supporting religion. Here, under our own free institutions, it is religion which must support the state. Indeed, Washington said that without the Bible, it would be impossible to govern America. Folks, when our religious freedom disappears, all other freedoms follow soon after. Let us remember who we were that we might know who we ought to be. Hello, I'm Jennifer Kennedy Cassidy. My father tirelessly worked to get the truth out about our founding fathers because they were being misrepresented. Modern portrayals painted them as deists and skeptics who saw religion as an annoyance. But nothing could have been further from the truth. They knew that religion, particularly Christianity, was the bulwark of our freedom and a necessity for a self-governing people. Many today are trying to remove our First Amendment religious freedom and ban Christians and their beliefs from the public square. My dad wanted you to know the truth, and that's why we've published the brand new book, Stealing Freedom, The Secular Assault on Your Religious Liberty. It's edited by Dr. Rob Pacienza and features chapters from him, my father, Dr. D. James Kennedy, Stephen Mansfield, Peter Lilback, and Jerry Newcomb, among others. And it features a foreword by Alveda King. We'll send it to you as our thanks for your generous donation. And if you're able to give a donation of $100 or more, we'll send you the book plus our new documentary program, Intolerant, The War on Religious Liberty. You saw just a short preview of this documentary earlier on today's program, and the entire program features compelling stories of Christians who have courageously stood up for their faith despite attacks from the government and the media. And you'll be encouraged to see how this battle can be won. And I'd especially appeal to you to come alongside us prayerfully and financially right now. The Lord has used this ministry for tremendous things in this past year. We've expanded our reach into Russia and Ukraine. We relaunched our Center for Christian Statesmanship on Capitol Hill to have a voice in the corridors of power. And we awarded Virginia Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears our Distinguished Christian Statesman Award. We've begun a new podcast venture called The City of God to reach so many younger people where they're consuming programs. We've produced documentaries on the worldwide impact of Jesus and the church, the deadly effects of Darwinism, five things the left doesn't want you to know, and more. We're planning to release a documentary on the tragedy of gender confusion later this summer. But we are facing a financial squeeze. Our fiscal year is ending in just about two weeks on June 30th. We need to finish in the black, or we will likely have to start pulling back, and this is no time to pull back. So please, join with us for the truth of Christ. 
Some generous friends of this ministry have established a $125,000 The Time Is Now matching challenge. Every dollar you give from now until midnight on June 30th will effectively be doubled in its impact. So please, give your most generous gift today. Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11154, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339, or call toll-free 877-962-7677, or go online to djkm.org. One common misunderstanding about religious freedom is that Christians are asking for special rights. Perhaps it's simply because so much religious liberty has been lost over the past few decades that people don't remember what it looks like. But no, the battle for religious liberty is not about special rights for Christians. It's about freedom for everyone, as guaranteed by the First Amendment. It's about the freedom to disagree, the freedom to obey God, and the freedom to follow our conscience, all things that are being systematically eroded. As Emily Gao of the Alliance Defending Freedom has pointed out, the left is redefining two key terms in their crackdown on Christianity. First is discrimination. During the civil rights era, discrimination meant that African Americans were denied things as essential as education, lodging, and transportation. Now it's been redefined to mean disagreement on marriage or gender. If you're a Christian business person, it's not enough to be willing to serve any customer. You must now also agree with them on same-sex marriage or gender issues and be willing to promote them or you're accused of discrimination. And the second term being redefined as harm. This used to mean material harm. For example, a loss of money or a job or beyond that, physical assault and so forth. Now it is being redefined to include so-called harm to dignity. This is, needless to say, a very elastic concept. And it ends up meaning, if you hurt my feelings by not agreeing with me on my sexual orientation or my gender identity, then you've harmed me and you can now be punished. It's a transparent attempt to silence and sanction those who stand by biblical beliefs. The battle for religious liberty is not for the Christian to get something no one else has. It's for something everyone should have. The Declaration of Independence and the Constitution recognize certain God-given rights, and the right to free exercise of one's religion is among them. And we have the right to do so according to our own conscience. The father of the Constitution, James Madison, called conscience the most sacred of all property. Christians today are being forced on threat of punishment to violate their conscience, something no one should have to do. A robust First Amendment protects all Americans, from the Orthodox Jewish deli owner who shouldn't be forced to make ham sandwiches to the Muslim printer who ought not to be forced to publish cartoons of Muhammad. I want to thank you for joining us today. Please visit us on the web at djkm.org and also be sure to connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You're always invited to come worship with us here at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church in Fort Lauderdale or live stream our services each Sunday morning at crpc.tv. And now, here's a look at a special Truths That Transform coming up next week. We've seen a more and more attack on our religious liberty. This is all about coercion and not a bit about freedom. 
This is a battle, and frankly, it's a war. That's next week. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.